Hi, this is Greg Warren, and you are listening to P.S. Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian David Huntsberger did what before he got into stand-up comedy? I always grew up around like horses and cattle and stuff, and kind of had like a little bit of a, a cowboy background, so... I, I was on the rodeo team in high school, and I did a lot of team roping. We'll hear more from David in just a little bit. We have a new music roundup this week. I was too lazy to do a dumb bit. Uh, but first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Former Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney had some strikingly harsh words for President Obama over his lack of a coherent strategy to combat the terrorist group ISIS. Appearing on Fox News Sunday back on September 9th, Romney slammed President Obama by insisting that he was too busy on the golf course to pick up the phone and meet with the leaders around the world around the world, and to say what happens if. Romney added that if he were president, he'd advise the ISIS rebels to forget about all this jihad stuff, borrow $50,000 from your parents, and start a business. Dr. Peter Venkman has a prescription to cure what ails the long-defunct Ghostbusters film franchise, Melissa McCarthy, also Emma Stone, and heck, why not add Linda Cardellini and Kristen Wiig as well? At least that's what Dream Ghostbuster team the Venikins' real-life counterpart and actor Bill Murray came up with, as he suggested it to the Toronto Star while making the press rounds to promote his latest movie, St. Vincent. Murray suggested that Beyoncé be hired to lift the theme song from Huey Lewis. England is taking steps ahead of the September 18th referendum on Scottish independence, hoping to sway Scottish voters with voting against the measure. The English are offering Scotland greater autonomy in lawmaking, reduced taxes, and a $50 Amazon gift card. Or as they say in Britain, an Amazon gift card. A British aristocrat has taken a swipe at activists and politicians who fan the fears of climate change as he claimed that recent research shows there's been no global warming for almost 18 years. Lord Christopher Monkton announced on ClimateDepot.com, yeah, that sounds like a real thing, that his scientific satellite data shows that temperatures have remained fairly stable between October 1966 and August 2014, which, by the way, is counter to what NASA's, the people who actually have satellites, has shown. Anyway, despite a rise in greenhouse gas emissions, calling it the Great Pause, Monkton wrote, it is becoming harder and harder to maintain that we face a climate crisis caused by our past and present sins of emission. He continued, now let's look at this balderdash about tobacco causing cancer. Former NFL quarterback Ryan Leaf has been sentenced to five years in prison in Texas for violating terms of his probation. A Texas prosecutor says the former San Diego Charger and Dallas Cowboys quarterback and Washington State standout won't have to serve any time behind bars in Texas because of the time he's already served in Montana. Leaf violated his Texas probation when he ran afoul of the law in Montana for breaking into a home and stealing prescription drugs. He pleaded guilty to felony burglary charges and criminal possession of a dangerous drug in 2012. If he violates his probation again, he will have to play for the Browns. Former Vice President Dick Cheney called Wednesday for launching immediate, sustained, and simultaneous action to defeat the Islamic State, arguing that President Obama bore responsibility for the danger the jihadist group now poses to America's interests. In a speech at a conservative think tank hours before Obama addressed to the nation on his strategy to combat the Islamic State, Cheney said the president must show a commitment to doing what it takes for as long as it takes to defeat them. And besides that, Cheney will be greeted as liberators. Again. And finally, a sixth grade teacher at a Washington, D.C. middle school is in deep water after assigning students to make a comparison between former President George W. Bush and Adolf Hitler in a class project. According to local media, the educator at McKinley Middle School sent students home with a Venn diagram with instructions to compare and contrast Hitler and Bush, stating that both men abused their powers. Tea Party conservatives slammed the 
educators saying that Adolf Hitler should only be compared to the current president. And they stole our idea. And that's been fake news with me. been a crazy busy week around these parts and as I mentioned in the intro uh, I was a little bit too lazy to write a dumb bit uh, actually more uh, it's more like I was too busy to write a dumb bit especially after all that time I spent on last week's Facebook not fact book which was uh, pretty hilarious if I do say so myself do go back and check that out it's also on the SoundCloud page if you want to check it out there so you don't have to suffer through the whole uh, the whole podcast if you don't want to uh, but why would why wouldn't you want to? All right. So anyway, uh, Fangirl is supposed to join me for this segment. She is busy out on the deck right now, studying for a huge test. But uh, she did donate one track to our new music roundup we're going to do right now. And uh, th- thought I'd start off with um, what is really uh, my favorite tune right now. I think it's the tune to beat for Song of the Year. Uh, these guys are from Los Angeles. Her name Saint Motel. They've been around for a few years. They released this song, I guess, last year, and have now re-released it as part of a new EP uh, for this uh, at the end of the summer here. And it uh, gained some traction over in Britain because it was part of a uh, TV advert for a phone company, I guess. It got to 27-something in the chart there and fell back out. But, I mean, that's pretty good these days uh, when you can get up to that high in the UK chart because it's even more fluid than it was back in the old days. Anyway, this is Saint Motel. It's a little blast of their single, My Type, on PS Tape Recorder. St. Motel from Los Angeles, California, my type. They are currently over in the UK on the heels of their top 30 success with that track. And hopefully, uh, well, folks back home in America will also lend their ears to St. Motel. Okay, so the next group on our new music roundup comes to us via Fangirl. And Fangirl discovered this group, uh, Duologue. I believe they have a couple albums out already. I think uh, they're on their third, which, by the way, just came out this past Tuesday, September 8th. However, the song that Fangirl discovered, uh, she was watching an episode of Skins, and uh, this was the uh, st- uh, this was the song that closed out. Uh, she believes it was uh, like the final episode of season four of the new generation, which I, she couldn't narrow it down any further than that. But anyway, uh, this was a single from Duologue's previous album called Talk Shop, and we've been listening to this a lot, so we thought we'd give you a blast of this. But then, of course, go out and check out their new album. But in the meantime, Talk Shop on PS Tape Recorder. 
do a log on PF's tape recorder talk shop and their new album is out uh, it's already out now as a matter of fact dropped September 8th in North America I believe it is out worldwide so you can check out their new stylings uh, wherever you buy your new music. Now, uh, this next group that we have up, uh, we played them a couple of weeks ago, called Zoot Woman. They've been around for a few years, but they've only made a couple of albums. Uh, This is a tune that is also from their brand new album that came out, I think, also a few weeks ago. And this track is called Lifeline. Tear yourself apart. We played that, of course, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the next track up on our new music review here is uh, "Good Friends of the Show." Uh, this is New Politics. We saw them back at Bunbury. Uh, this track is "Give Me Hope." Well, another group we saw at Bunbury has a counter to that notion, uh, Cults with No Hope. We also saw Cults open up for Vampire Weekend, and then we also saw them at Bunbury. And boy, you know, the more I hear Cults, the more I like them. Uh, seeing them live uh, was nice, but I think it's one of those groups where you actually kind of have to hear them uh, recorded to really appreciate them. More other groups where you kind of have to hear them live to appreciate them. But anyway, this is, uh, I believe this is one of the singles scheduled from Cults' current album, and this is No Hope.
Halts and No Hope. I really like that. That kind of puts me in the mind of a uh, late 50s, maybe early 60s pop tune. And uh, they are from New York City, of course. Opened up for Vampire Weekend earlier in the summer. And I'm sure you can catch them uh, out touring across North America as well. All right. So I've uh, saved the best for last here. A very good friend of the show, Lights, releases her third album, Little Machines, on September 23rd. That is a week from Tuesday, depending when you're downloading this. And uh, she's already uh, released a couple of songs from it. Well, the official single is Up We Go. Uh, she released a billboard, another track uh, called Running With The Boys. But we are going to have sort of a world premiere right now. Another track from Lights' brand new album, Little Machines. The song is called Same Sea. And uh, first, she's going to tell you this, and then we're going to play the tune. Hey, this is Lights, and you're listening to the PS Tape Recorder. Going the distance, every occasion, headed to somewhere out of the way. Moving and shaking, every persuasion, keeping us out. Hey folks, remember this? Dear Joey, getting my hair done. Be back at 3.30. Please go to Lawson's and pick up bread, lunch meat, potato salad, and pop. And if you want... Or this? We have fresh ideas at Red Barn, like a salad bar for you. This is the third time my husband went back to the salad bar. Or how about this? Well, Home Shirts has all of your vintage apparel needs, recalling all the great brands and restaurants of yesteryear, particularly from the cities of Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, but also from brands around the country. Just head to homeshirts.com and check out all of our vintage apparel needs, including restaurants, stores, great sports teams. Check it out, and when you order specifically from Home Shirts Cleveland, we make a couple of bucks, and we really appreciate it. Merry-go-round. Unique fashions for guys and gals. And don't forget to check out our collection of defunct teams from such leagues as the American Basketball Association, the World Hockey Association, the World Football League, and many more at homeshirts.com. David Huntsberger is a comedian who hails from Reno, Nevada. You may know him from his headlining work at clubs and theaters across the country, or from his Professor Blastoff podcast that he does with Tig Nataro and Kyle Dunnigan, or from his many, many TV appearances. Here now is our interview with David Huntsberger. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder, it's David Huntsberger. David, how you doing? Good. How are you, P.S.? Good, man. We've spoken many times for print for your first time on the podcast here. Of course, you are a fellow podcaster, uh, of course. Yes. Yeah. We. Uh, I guess everybody's in the podcast game these days. Yep. Uh, now I'm curious. Let's start there. Um, I, you know, I've listened to Pl- uh, Professor Blastoff before, and it. Uh, I did just asked myself yesterday while listening. I know Kyle and Tig, your co-host, uh, Kyle Dunnigan and Tig Nataro, uh, have been writing partners for a long time, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so how did you get mixed up with them doing Professor Blastoff? Um, 
Yeah, they, they knew each other quite a bit longer or have known one another longer than, than I've known them. Um, I met Tig doing Last Comic Standing, and we oh, okay. just sort of stayed in touch after that. Oh, so, okay. Um, yeah, we, they, she was kind of the conduit for the three of us, and then uh, we sort of started the podcast, you know, via those means, I guess. I see. So what was the, uh, the what inspired the podcast? I mean, who, who had the idea? Did you all discover you had kind of an interest in finding out more about certain things? Or, <laughs> um, Well, I feel like I really like the concept of uh, um, originally, and I still like this idea, I wanted to like sit down and interview scientists and people like that as more of like a video series, but I would be dressed up in some sort of weird animal costume. <laughs> And then <laughs> I think I was telling Tig that and then, you know, saying like, oh, I think, you know, these existential thoughts and, and just learning about science are, are appealing to everyone. It just doesn't, it doesn't always seem that way. And then she was like, yeah, I think that'd be a good podcast. And she said, Kyle's really into science and that sort of thing as well. So she sent him a text, you know, like, hey, would you be interested in doing this? And then he wrote back right away, like, yeah, that sounds great. And, and so that's how it was birthed, and then we slowly started, um, you know, actually making it happen after that. Okay, and it isn't really like um, like a, a Science Friday situation uh, on NPR uh, for those uh, who haven't heard the show. Uh, but you find interesting sometimes the people aren't necessarily scientists, but have an interest in science. There was the Australian fellow you had on. Uh, last week, talking about materialism and and things like that. Um, how do you how do you find guests for for your show? Yeah, I, it, it, it's more so much that now it's there's such a big umbrella where you know we've had shows where we just chat with each other and what's going on in our lives, and then we've you know spoken with someone like him who you know he's an entertainer but has a vested in or not a vested but just a I guess uh, a general interest in you know certain topics that of interest and uh, and then other times it's, it is an actual expert someone with like a PhD in a particular field and so you know it started um, maybe with a little bit more of a drive to like let's have scientists and let's really get to the bottom of things but it's fun to have our friends on it's fun to have comedians on and you know if we can stimulate some sort of a discussion that's moderately interesting then everyone is excited about that but uh even if we're just goofing around the whole time it ends up being pretty fun anyway oh yeah it's kind of it spans across a bunch of different genres now i think uh yeah i would i would say so yeah and plus you know a lot of comedians have come from other walks of life and you know you know they're maybe experts and have some you know uh in-depth knowledge of certain topics i know like greg proops is a big roman expert apparently oh yeah i mean it's it's really weird that um, if you go to do, even this um, dynamic has changed a lot, you know, like doing press for a comedy club or, or just to give the general comedy club goer some insight into who's going to be there. You typically would open to the, the you know, events or arts and entertainment section of the local kind of indie paper or, uh, you know, free paper. And it would, maybe have a couple sentences of like, how'd you get into comedy? Have you been heckled? Yeah. What's your comedy like? You know, and that was about it. So for a long time, I think the comedians, especially there wasn't really a platform to find out if they had any other interests. And I think in general, comedians typically 
are fairly fascinating. I mean, to look at the world and be critical of it in a way that you have to be able to articulate your thoughts, I think is a pretty interesting um, approach. And so, you know, like on NPR or, um, you know, some of the uh, like World Cafe stuff with the interview artists, you really get to kind of know the musicians and their approach to how they make stuff. But a, a lot of times in comedy, it's not like that. It's the same old, how'd you get started in comedy? Have you been heckled? And yeah. uh, so I think podcasts give them a way to be like, oh, I have, <laughs> I have interesting thoughts. I, yeah. I've had a life outside of a, a stage. Yeah, well, uh, I, I know I've asked you before how you did get into comedy, and maybe we'll cover that briefly for the podcast center. I've never asked if anybody's gotten heckled, though. I, that never crosses my mind. Um, and it's always, I'm always scared to death that's going to happen to me when I do open mics, but it, uh, it never does. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so but were you funny growing up? I mean, uh, were, were you like a, uh, the class clown, or was it a thing where you were interested in comedy, and then uh, the opportunity presented itself later in life to be like, hey, wait, well, you know, I can probably do this for a living somehow? Yeah, probably, probably all of those. Pretty pretty standard procedures, I think, uh, as far as... My sister and I were both big comedy nerds, and every now and again, MTV would just show up on our television. They had, like, an old TV where you press, like, the buttons on it, and we would just go up and down the buttons, and it seemed like the channels changed by month. We never really had cable, but somehow they would show up every now and again to be HBO. So we'd see the um, one night stands on there from time to time. And then uh, MTV have the half hour comedy hour, which was fantastic. So oh, yeah. we would stay up late and watch that, which was, that was pretty influential. And then my mom would take us as kids, which had just been kind of weird for the performers, but we'd go to the casinos I'm from Reno. We'd go to the casinos, maybe like once a year, not all that often, but we'd go watch, a comedy show, and uh, I didn't really like stand-up. I, I thought it was kind of the lamest. I was more into comedy CDs or, or, you know, like the specials. It was just totally different for me. Like, well, this this is the nightclub at a casino. I, I like these people that are on a, you know, theater stage or whatever. But then I, I, um, I went and saw David Spade when I was in high school, and that was, that was the first time I was like, oh, it can be cool, and it's someone kind of similar to me who has uh, you know, a kind of a similar sense of humor, it seemed like. So then it was much more appealing. Like, oh, I, I do want to do that. Because before that, getting back to your question, I, I was introverted. So I, I never really was the, the class clown in a real outspoken way. I was very subtle and probably kind of just a smart alecky asshole kid. <laughs> kind of like, for a teacher, it had to have been annoying. But I do remember some of my teachers laughing when I would make jokes. And my mom said at one point during a parent-teacher conference, one of my teachers, and he still brings this up, like friends on Facebook, and he'll say, like, I, I was the reason I got into comedy because he told my mom at parent-teacher conference, like, David should be a comedian. He's really yeah. witty. So, and I, I look back at a, an old notebook my sister found when we were going through our garage years ago, and it was like, third grade you had we had to keep a journal every morning we'd come in and like write down a sentence so Wednesday is a good day because or I like February or you know whatever the teacher I'm sure she was just spinning her wheels trying to come up with a topic every single day yeah but at some point in there I wrote um I think it was the February one like I like February because my jokes are funnier Huh. And so I clearly like was trying to get laughter at some, you know I was yeah <laughs> concerned about it 
So I guess all those things factored into just like wanting to give it a try. I always kind of equate it to like girls that get into modeling. It's similar in that like you get told you're pretty the same way you get told you're funny, but there has to be a part of you that's like, but am I like, could I make money at it? Yeah. Am I funny enough where like other strangers would think so, not just my friends? Oh, I like that analogy. Um, so what did you, was it like growing up? Did you and your sister kind of crack each other up and, you know, kind of know what would make each other laugh? Cause I don't like, you know, siblings are like that often. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We, we had a lot of inside jokes and probably some strange linguistic things where we, you know, made up fake words or even like, Huh. particles of speech <laughs> that would crack <laughs> us up and uh yeah there's just strange things we'll catch in the way even so as adults you know be it like a party with adults and someone will have a weird emphasis on something that'll both it'll still make us laugh or still seeing people fall down is always probably going to be funny to us which is kind of embarrassing as you get to be an adult you're like oh, i'm cracking up because someone slipped and fell but <clears throat> Those things would always be funny. Like, uh, and I think this is kind of a Midwest thing that people would say, like, this will make no sense. But <laughs> people say, uh, like, so the word furniture, for example. Like, if someone said it, furniture. Oh, yeah. Which some people do say that. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's hysterical if she and I are in the same room. So there's just little weird things like that, I guess. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love, uh, like, mispronouncing words uh, the way people say them in other parts of the country. And I find it hilarious, and my family finds it annoying. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's, I don't know. It's cause yeah, I, I don't know I, what that is. I guess I, I love language. I just like the way, you know, people say different things. Or, like, or in uh, England, um, I was listening to the Scott Mill show on Radio 1, and uh, why, the French call Wi Fi Wi so he started saying Wi-Fi. So I started saying Wi-Fi, and my family hated it and said, "Stop calling it Wi-Fi." I'm like, "Hey, we have, we have Wi-Fi around here?" <laughs> no, they, they did not go for that at all. So, what did your sister end up doing going into? She teaches French. Uh, she's oh, a wow. high school French teacher. Oh, speaking yeah. of, wow, she's a very responsible adult. But <laughs> you know, I'm sure it's fun to when she gets around me that she can kind of let loose a little bit and be funny. Hmm. Well, there, there's that interesting language. Uh, I have an older brother. Uh, he now lives, guess where, uh, outside of Carson City. No way. How about oh, that? Cool. Yeah, they just moved because it's close to her family in Northern California, but it's not in California. They didn't want to live in California. Ah, I can understand that. Being from Nevada, we, you know, growing up thought California was too cool for school, but yeah, I don't know, living here for a while, I mean, it really is. Such a beautiful state. Yeah, um, I, I like. I really, I miss Nevada a lot, but California is pretty great. Yeah, well, he's all you know, Mr. Fox News, and California's too liberal for my blood, and you know, his oh, his in laws his in laws live in San Francisco. Lord help us. So, but I I don't know. <laughs> I don't they go in for all that. What's uh all, for all that Diane Feinstein kind of nonsense? I don't know. I think they're they're fighting the good fight in NoCal, but um. <laughs> But well, um, I'm sorry you didn't have a, a partner in crime for, you know, a lot of times like humor and, and you know, a sibling that can kind of transcend those political alignments or whatever, you know, you could. You could oh, well, growing up, we did. Yeah. Like, yeah. He didn't go nuts till he went into the service and then, and then came back and then he was he was all crazy. Like my dad's almost a communist. And uh, so is the rest of my family, my cousins and stuff. But yeah, he's kind of. Uh, my my brother, my my mom was real funny. Uh, my 
folks are no longer together. Uh, my mom lives in Cleveland. My dad lives in Florida. My uh, mom was all into the Fox News for about a month. She's a former college professor until they told her that the reason America was going broke is because of teachers' pensions. <laughs> and she got right off the effing <laughs> bus at that point. She said, no, no, I paid into that. That's my money. <laughs> what are you talking about? So, yeah. So, big Hillary supporter, too, Mom is. So, but um, Say that again? M- Mom's a big Hillary supporter, too. But um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, now my two buddies I grew up with, uh, they were like two years apart. They're still, uh, I mean, they live uh, hours apart now. One lives in Pittsburgh, one lives in Baltimore. Uh, boy, those two guys, similar sense of humor in and out of each other's pockets all those years from being so close in age. That's that's one of the deal like you and your sister probably were. It's uh, you know, and the the humor really really brought them together. Yeah, I think so. I think we you know we kind of reflect on it more as we get older. It's like kind of how unique that is. You see people that, you know, they're friends, but they're not really that close. But I feel like we were really there for each other growing up. And, you know, when we would fight and stuff, someone would make a face or do something. I mean, it really is in the sappiest of ways. Like when you find, oh, humor is like very necessary in certain situations. It really eases tension or or is a way to, if you're not adept enough at say asking for forgiveness you could just do you know something silly and that person yeah. will go all right you're trying you're trying to be <laughs> funny at least at the start so what were you going to go into uh if it weren't for stand-up comedy well when i was in high school i you know i played sports so then i thought maybe i would pursue that and that lasted for you know a few months and i was like well that's not going to pan out so then I was into, I always grew up around like horses and cattle and stuff and kind of had like a little bit of a, a cowboy background. So I I was on the rodeo team in high school and I did a lot of team roping and I thought I'd get into that. Like when I, as high school was winding down, I was like really considering graduating early and nearly did. And then kind of thought like, well, high school, you know, it goes by and there's no sense of rushing it. Everyone does it. So I finished that, and then in the course of doing that and going to get uh, my transcripts from the uh, registrar, which you had to do to, like, every week you had to do that to go to a rodeo. So I got to kind of know her a little bit, you know, and uh, she was like, hey, are you going to college? And I was like, I haven't really thought about it. And she's like, well, if you do, and you should, you know, your grades are pretty good, uh, you should be an engineer. My, you're, you know, my, my husband and my son both do that and you're kind of similar to them in hindsight i think that was her way of telling me i was boring boring. but uh so i i got into college my mom kind of uh was big on that like let's just apply and if you decide you don't want to go you don't have to but let's i think you should and everyone in my family kind of thought that was a good idea and i got some scholarships and then uh, it just seemed like college was going to be an opportunity that, you know, you shouldn't pass up. So, uh, I ended up going and then just kind of when you sign up and they said, what do you want to major in? I checked off engineering, just like, well, it's the only one I've really heard of, or given, you know, and even familiar with, I wasn't really, you know, one of those people I knew I had an interest, you know, I, but it was comedy. You can't really study comedy. That's all I really wanted to do, but I had, I had thought of doing it when I was younger and I really just didn't have any life experience. I was like, I, I, 
I'd only be good at going up there and hoping that my friends could say something from the, you know, the crowd, and then I could riff on that. But yeah. if they weren't there, I would have, I would just have nothing. So I thought, all right, I'll, I'll go do college, and I'll, I'll get some life experience, and, and then I'll do comedy. Um, and I don't know that I was as uh, if that was my exact motivation at the time, I think it maybe like subconsciously was, or even like in a hidden place, you know, where you're like, well, I think this, but I won't tell anyone. And then, um, that's kind of what happened. I, I finished my degree. And then as I graduated, I was like, all right, well, I've got to go give open mic a shot. <laughs> I've put it off so long. Uh, that's, that's how that, kind of went down like I used to try to do comedy like work up the courage I'd call the comedy clubs or I'd um you know if I was at a show or something I'd feel like I gotta get up there I gotta try it I'd always wimp out I'd always just find a reason not to do it so once I graduated college I kind of felt you know it was a real measuring point like well I'm either going to do this or I'm going to be one of those people that just wishes I had tried it for an entire lifetime so I went and did an open mic and then that's pretty, you know, I kind of, I've been going to open mics ever since then, I guess. Where'd you end up going to college? I went to Colorado State in oh, okay. Fort Collins. So, and, and no yeah, chance to it, use your mad roping skills there and, and, and hog tying and, I don't know, I don't know what it's <laughs> called. I'm just, I shouldn't know if I'm heard on um, TV. In a way, I kind of did. Yeah, I mean, I, I took, uh, I took my horse for a semester and it was pretty expensive uh, to feed and board her and I had her out in this weird like pasture with multiple horses and she got, got kind of sick at one point with like losing weight and huh. it just felt horrible so I, I was only riding her like once a month at best I was just way too busy studying and yeah See, I called my dad and was like you know I'd, I'd have these designs that I would bring her out there and find a place to go rope and then bring her along my other horse that I'd roped on all through high school um, ended up with like some a nerve problem in his foot and couldn't couldn't really go anymore. Hmm. Well, so I had this horse that I hadn't, you know, st- trained or, and uh, uh, so I, you know, that that dream sort of dissipated at that point, and so I hauled my horse home and kind of left her with my dad, and then went back out to school, and I was just working like as a college kid, you know, like in the back of a kitchen at an Italian restaurant and making no money and really just working there for like the free sandwich they would give me per shift. <laughs> and, then, and then they took away the sandwich and I was like, well, this is garbage. Yeah. Like, this is the only incentive <laughs> to work here. I'm making like no money and it's taking so much time. Yeah. And I had, um, I'd always put shoes on my own horses. I mean, I guess since I was like 15 or so, so I had that skill. I was like, well, I can at least try to make some money doing this. So I did. I just like, put an ad in the paper and oh, wow. people started calling me. To, yeah, so that's that's how I like paid for um, you know, my food and drinking and all that in, high, in college was, uh, was shoeing horses. So it, it was good because I, you know, I could pack up my gear and go out and you know, spend a couple of hours and make cash, like get paid in cash that day as opposed oh, yeah. to waiting for this stupid check from an Italian restaurant. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I kind of did use the, the, you know, ranch skills, so to speak. I just wasn't 
riding horses or what uh, that thing. But I, I was applying it, you know, as yeah. a trade, well, I guess I'd learned. Well, I, I took a horse to school, but it was my Pinto. <laughs> and um, Yeah, I had, I had my, my old speed out there, too. Um, so if, if this were the 60s, man, you would be, like, all over Big Valley and Bonanza and doing guest shots because of your riding skills, probably. Yeah, I did um, uh, Mark Marin's podcast, and he was saying that. Like, oh, dude, you should, there's work. You, know, you, <laughs> could, you, could, you could do that. You know? <laughs> I don't know how many, how many productions nowadays use horses. I well, guess it's not like know, it was my then. cousin did a little bit of that, you know, where uh, I think for like the movie, maybe 300 or something like that, or no, 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 he did <laughs> the mummy and they just needed, you know, they have a scene, I guess there's like a thousand people on horses. So they just basically anyone and everyone that had a horse, they painted them up in like this gold paint and then they just rode their horses all day. And so, yeah, there is a, a way to make money doing that, I guess. But yeah, you're right. It, the sixties were the golden era. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, when my brother said he was moving to Carson City, when my dad called and told me, he said, well, you know, Larry and, and Danielle are going to move out to Carson City, I said, well, is, is uh, Ben Cartwright going to find him some work out there? And I thought that was hilarious, and no one else did. And I've told that to everybody in the family, and no one cracks a smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still up there. I mean, you can go see that ranch still. It's like a tourist attraction. I actually don't think I've ever been there as close as I live to it. Well, um, and I've only really seen like a handful of episodes, but yeah. I did like it. It's probably uh, before your time because you're a little younger than me, and I I saw it in reruns mostly. I think it actually had left production by the time I was aware of what TV shows were. I think its last season was '72, and I would have been six. So, but uh, watched a ton of reruns, oh, okay. man. Wild Wild West, Maverick. Oh yeah, I was all into that. That was all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I never. I here I've talked to you three times. Never knew any of this. This 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 has been fascinating. It rarely comes up. I've. It seems like the last few times I've done a podcast or something, I've ended up talking about it in some sort of way or another. And I guess yeah, realizing that it, it is fairly atypical. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's it's nice to chat with you in a longer s- setting. I guess. Yeah. Well, I also found out too that I uh, they my editor told me like three or four weeks ago she said oh by the way if you submit a longer piece for the blog you'll get paid for the print piece and paid for the blog and i'm writing for her for five years i'm like you're just telling me that now <laughs> okay but <laughs> so in other words this will be um the podcast will drop i'm not sure when i've got a bunch of interviews stockpiled for the summer because um we got stuff going on but the print piece will be in the week that you're there as will the blog post but the blog post will be longer and it'll have probably a more about horses in it. <laughs> the friend pieces have more about comedy. <laughs> but, um, well, all right, man. We'll link to uh, Professor Blastoff as well, and uh, so people can get an earful of that. And um, right. and anything else you got going on? Exciting? Anything else you want to plug? Um, nothing to... I'm, the set that I'm working on uh, in Minneapolis, you don't have to like, include this in the, in the article, and if anything, it's detrimental to ticket sales probably <laughs> it's, it's essentially the, the same set that i did last year uh, but obviously hopefully a little bit more refined because uh, i'm working on this little like animated uh project with stand-up but it's really not anything that i can promote or plug because it's nowhere near done but just as two dudes chatting um that's what i'm mostly working on these days is uh is that so um, but yeah, no, nothing, um, as far as like a new CD or anything like that coming out just yet, but it, but it is kind of in the works. 
Okay. And for everyone else listening around the country, we'll uh, link to your website where you have your dates and stuff uh, where people can catch you live yeah. if they're not in Minneapolis or if they're in Cincinnati like me. Um, right, yeah. Hopefully be in uh, in that part of the world fairly soon. I haven't been there in a while. And, uh, but, yeah, on my website, people can get uh, you know the, my older CDs and all that stuff and check out comics and animation and all that. Cool, man. All right. Well, uh, good talking to you and uh, have fun up there in Minneapolis. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, David. Good chat with you as well, Jeff. All right, thanks, man. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. See ya. Thanks again to David Huntsberger for being on the show. For all things David Huntsberger, go to davidhuntsberger.com. A Huntsberger spelled with an E in the burger part. And then uh, Professor Blastoff, his podcast that he does with Tignataro and Kyle Kinane, can be found at professorblastoff.com or on iTunes or on the Earwolf Network. You can find it all of those places. And, uh, oh, by the way, David Huntsberger's next live performance is September 19th in Denver, Colorado at the Oriental Theater. And let me see, and you can find him... October 12th in Los Angeles at Copper Still. And then for all his dates, those are all on his website, too. And, oh, and he also has links to his drawings and things like that. And we didn't even get a chance to talk about that. Uh, I remember that from a couple of years ago, talking to him for, I believe it was uh, City Pages. He's an accomplished visual artist as well. He used to draw comics and stuff in hotels when he was out touring, just kind of past the time. And uh, he's really good. Check it out. And let me see, what else? Oh, I want to make you folks aware that the uh, Succotash Show is a podcast that uh, takes clips from other comedy podcasts. And... Um, Eric Furness of the From Out of Nowhere podcast in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, tipped off the Succotash folks that we had the Sklar Brothers on our show a couple of weeks ago, and so he said they should probably uh, you know highlight that on the Succotash show. So Succotash show will be featuring us sometime in the coming weeks. I'll let you know. I'll tweet you or Facebook you or something like that. Speaking of which, follow me on Twitter at uh, pf66. Like the show on Facebook uh, if you if you would be so kind. Uh, let me see. Uh, let me see the logo. Of course, signed by Dan Coble. Dan and Logan's podcast will be up soon in iTunes. Again, Magic Potion. You can go back and listen to uh, previous episodes as well. Let me see. Uh, original music for PF Tape Recorder composed and performed by Doug Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. And uh, I believe that is all the business we have at hand today other than to say so long and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.